This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. For all NBA warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. What up? It's Golden Spaces, an Odyssey original podcast with Justin and Matt. Feels like you haven't had that much Justin and Matt. Um, But we are here. We are here together now. We are looking forward to training camp coming up soon. Um, It's been sort of quiet since, you know... um, the last time Justin and I were together, I know that he has since recorded. Um, shout out again to Karima and and um, Clefius, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, for coming on and um, and and stepping in for us. We always appreciate you, um, and thank you guys also for my birthday shout out. Much appreciated. Um, but it's been relatively quiet. I mean, like nothing crazy surrounding the Warriors or anything like that. So this maybe isn't crazy, crazy, Justin. But Draymond decided to give us a little excitement the other day, right? So before we get to Draymond, let's start with why Draymond even had something to to, to talk about on X, formerly known as Twitter, um, and go back and forth with... Uh, Someone who's kind of known on Dub's Twitter and NBA Twitter, uh, and that's Ricky, Ricky G. And so before that even happened, Rich Paul, in his not-so-infinite wisdom, gets on, um, whose podcast was it? It was the Gilbert Arenas. There you go. Yeah. He gets on Gilbert Arenas' show, and he's the entire thing was basically for him to hype up Ron and try to like make his goat case, which is like, bro, like we already know what you think. Like, I don't like, mm. we know, we know your talking points. We know what you think. And I personally don't even understand why we need to hear Rich Paul say why LeBron's the goat. Like, is he going to tell us something? Like, I, I think it was in response to Stephen A. You remember, because Stephen A, like, I think previously said it's you know i know what it was in response to but it's just like what like what what he he we already know where he's gonna land on this and what he's gonna say you know and i like i don't really care whether Stephen a actually said get the f out my face or not like who the hell cares you know what i'm saying um and even if he said it like when i heard Stephen a tell the story 
I didn't even hear that as like disrespect. I heard it as like, you know, like, man, come on, get the F out my face. Like, like the way like two people who know each other would say it, you know? So I felt like Rich Paul's need to kind of come on and be like, Captain, that didn't happen. It's like, bro, whatever, who cares? Um, but that being said, it then leads into a conversation about, you know, why he thinks LeBron is gold and ways that LeBron is discredited. And I mean, like, I'm sorry, like everything from that point on was just gaslighting to me. So if you want to go listen to the Gilbert Arena show when Rich Paul was on, if you haven't already, you can. But it's not my cup of tea for listening. That being said, right? <laughs> Rich Paul makes this comment and he says, Justin, that in the bubble, like, he talks about the fact that LeBron was just, is like, that that ring, that championship is sometimes discredited, you know? And he's using this as one of these examples of just like how people are unfair to LeBron. And he's just like, if that's Steph, would he be discredited in the same way? Like, bro, are you effing kidding me? I don't even know why I'm not cursing today, y'all, because y'all know I got a potty mouth, but I'm not cursing. I'm saying, are you effing kidding me? Like, what the fuck? There you go. There it is. It comes back eventually. Um, what what are you talking about? Like, Steph is discredited for legitimate rings already, you know? Um, and like, look, I don't, I don't do the whole like, oh, the Lakers ring doesn't count for that year. But like, come on, we can also call a spade a spade. Like, the circumstances were different. And yeah. And like it was, it was an easier ring to win, and like some rings are easier to win. Like all the circumstances are not the same for every championship that's won. You know, so, some teams are just so much better than their competition, right? Sometimes teams benefit from injuries. Sometimes there's like all different kinds of things. You know, I know everyone who wins a championship will say this isn't easy, right? This is hard. And I think like teams like the 2017 Warriors, like they have to say that because you'll sound like obnoxious being like, come on, like, come on. Nothing was hard for those guys that season. But, but I think sometimes too, when people are talking about the fact that it's hard to win, I don't think it's just about the final series. It's about the journey over the whole year. It's about all the teams you played in the playoffs to get there. It's about staying healthy. It's about a lot of things. When they say it's hard, it's not just about like, was your opponent hard and could you beat them? Because you have a whole lot to get through until you get to the finals to actually play that opponent. But at the end of the day, like you guys, we had a normal season and then COVID occurred and then there was a break in the season. You guys got rest during the season. Then you went into a bubble to finish out the season where there are no NBA fans, where you did not have to do any kind of travel, you know? It's one of the few seasons Anthony Davis remained healthy for a full season, which wasn't even a full NBA season. Why do we think that is? Like, you know, again, I'm not trying to say that, like, their ring doesn't count, but, like, you had very favorable circumstances. And first, you tried to um, gaslight us and tell us that it was the hardest championship ever, which is bullshit. No one accepts that or believes that, Right. And then now you're upset that people are discrediting it. And I might just say, and I'm going to stop here, Justin, because I've been going on, 
But I would say the irony in this is like a lot of that discrediting of championships shit started with y'all. It started with Clutch. And so see, this is what happens. You create some shit and then it comes back to bite you in the ass because y'all wanted to discredit what Steph did in 2015 as though they are the first team to ever win where people got injured. They're not. Like, I always laugh because, like, when Jordan won his first championship, like, key players on the Lakers got injured. Like, not for the whole series, but during it, right, it happened. And so it's just, like, no one ever talks about that. No one cares because they're just, like, he won, right? Even sometimes when the Lakers, like, they, they always bring up Isaiah and the famous game with Isaiah and how he played. But they didn't ultimately win. He could only go that one game, and him getting injured benefited the Lakers, Right? Even if it's only one game, two games, like it, it did help. It doesn't mean to me, it doesn't mean that if he played, Isaiah played, that the Pistons would have won, but it would have looked different, right? So, but they completely discredited the Warriors ring in 2015, then use nonsense that happened in 2016 to try to come back and say, see, they really would have never won. So they wouldn't win 2015. They wouldn't win 2016. Then when they started winning again, they said, oh, he has Kevin Durant. So, no, let's discredit those two. I mean, 2022 is really the first ring that people on some level give him credit for. And even then, there's whispers, murmurs. The Celtics should have won. Um, they, The Celtics were just not ready. They're young. They're in it. Whatever it is, right? There was still some chatter. But, like, 2022, after this man has already won three rings, two MVPs, one of them unanimous, two scoring titles, multiple like three-point records, multiple all-stars, multiple all-NBAs, people still try to discredit what he'd accomplished. But you think, Rich Paul, that if he played in the bubble and won, that they wouldn't discredit him? Come on, bro. Come on. He knows. I mean, I think for one, why are you even bringing stuff up? Nobody even said anything about stuff at all. That like, part. What are we talking about here? That like, part. Like, he why is he the one example you went to? Yeah, why is he could have said if Michael Jordan won in the bubble would because that the, the argument was LeBron versus Mike. So why are you bringing up Steph, dude? Like, it just shows like there's some type of like he Steph is always on their mind in some capacity. We we've known it since they since he won his first um, MVP and championship. Like you said, they discredited that championship and they tried to try their best to spin the narrative to make it about LeBron even when he lost and try to give him a finals MVP and a losing effort. Um, and then in 2016, LeBron beating Steph became the greatest championship of all time. You know what I mean? And then even in 2017, 2018, it's LeBron and Kyrie against this juggernaut that can't be beaten. Even MJ wouldn't have beaten them and all this stuff. Um, so even when they beat the Warriors in 2016, LeBron has the the Steph dolls at his um at his Halloween party and stuff like that. The dead the dead bodies of Steph and Clay and the tombstones and all that type of stuff, making jokes. Steph is living rent free in all of their heads. Like, Condos. It's it's ridiculous, right? And it shows Condos. that they, even though they won't outwardly say it, like LeBron will say stuff like he would love to play with Steph, right? He'll never say something like Steph is my rival you like me and Steph are the faces of this era he'll give a lot of credit to like Kevin Durant he's done it in the past but at no point has he said like yeah me and Steph run this era we got the most rings 
like nobody got more rings than us um, individually. And like we've been going at it in the finals and all this stuff in the playoffs, all these times we've had these historic battles. We both in our own way changed the game in some capacity and like, but he'll never say anything like that. But the people around him will say stuff like if Steph would have won, then would he have been discredited him as if he's like some type of golden boy that's never been slandered or something like that. And then Maverick Carter talking about like he can't guard him or something. It's like, it's just weird stuff coming from his camp. And it just shows that there's some level of insecurity there um, when it comes to Steph, because they know that Steph is on that level to be equal or even surpass LeBron for this particular stretch of time in their careers. And they, they're trying to find little petty ways to knock Steph off that pedestal. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And I mean, I think that they worry a little bit because while LeBron is still seen as the better player, I would say, um, I don't believe he's the better player, but, and I don't, I don't mean like currently, I mean like right now over their careers, what they've done all time. I I think that I prof- I feel pretty confident that when all is said for Steph, like there's going to be a lot of revisionism for him, but I think he's going to be seen a lot higher where that's to end up is, is, is TBD. But I also think that they try to put narratives and things in place. And because I think they worry, I think they worry about like if Steph were to get a number five, right? Because conversations look different. Conversations start to change. Right. Um, because it's like, yeah, he has the same number as LeBron, but we find ways to devalue, you know, some of his rings. So now if he actually exceeds, then what? Right? And if he gets right. the six, which is what I really want him to do, then what? Right. At that point, it's not much that can be said. Uh, I mean, it'll, it'll, but he it'll shouldn't always... have to do all of that. And that's that's the messed up part. Yeah. Yeah. They'll end up flipping it, not necessarily flipping it, but, you know, LeBron, 20 years, all-time leading scorer, all these amazing stats, and he just racked up all the stats and stats and, and accolades and all-NBA stuff like that. Modern day always, Yeah, exactly. They'll always have that to fall back on. Um, but, I mean, everyone knows that that's not the end-all, be-all, right? Like, some some years are just weird where you may miss a few games and you end up all-NBA second team instead of first team and stuff like that. I think LeBron – his durability and consistency is probably it's not just even that it's not just even that the media would unless LeBron misses games like a chunk of them they refuse to consider him anything less than first team right they just won't do it because there's definitely years you could argue that other players had better seasons than him enough because I mean you just could have right think about the years like when and I don't remember how it's gone the last few years, but think about the years where he wasn't even in the MVP conversation, right? And you had to put someone like an Embiid on second team or like a Jokic or like who, whichever one of the, right? So, and you're like, if you had Kevin Durant or whatever, look, think, look at the year that Kevin and Steph both won second team. I mean, Kevin ended up missing games, but like Steph was only second team because of narratives, right? Because the two point guards, we're MVP candidates. So once you're an MVP candidate, they're just going to put you on second team. But you cannot really argue 
that those two guys had better seasons than Steph, right? You can't argue that they were better players. Right. Just because it was a down year. And it's like, if, if, if the media goes in and says, well, we know that Steph and KD playing together, right, means they're going to then take away from some of their counting stats, then why are you then holding it against them when they're both hyper-efficient, they get 67 wins, and then Steph had a whole-ass stretch without KD where he took the Warriors on a win streak. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, right? So part of it is that LeBron was always viewed differently than Steph early in his career. And what I mean by that is, like, there was always a thing with him from the beginning, next Jordan, this, that. So everything was always viewed for him through the lens of legacy. That's not how the media looked at Steph because they didn't expect him to be as great as he is. That's why they were so comfortable, right, giving a finals MVP to Andre. I mean, there's a variety of reasons, but they just didn't look at Steph as that caliber of player. So it's like, oh, it's a cool story, right? They would never consider not giving LeBron. Like, it, it just wouldn't even be a consideration, right? And then they would find all the reasons to justify why he should be it, even if there was an argument for someone else, right? Like, they didn't even think twice, right? So, but by the time now he's playing Boston, it was like, like, there's probably, Steph would just have to really no-show to not get that. Like, it was like, because everyone understood he's due now, right? Because we've missed some, right? It's the media acknowledging that they've missed some. And so it's just all these things. So it's like with all those, like, most of his, and even when you think of, like, he was snubbed for All-Star in 2013. He should have definitely been an All-Star, right? And then when you think of, like, the All-NBA teams, like, most of the years outside of the one where him and Katie, that first year where they made second team, any other year that Steph was second or third team, it was usually because he missed a chunk of games. That right. was it. If he played the requisite number of games, he was always going to be first team. And so it's not like he was second team. He wasn't second team because other players were ever better than him. He was second team because of like other shit that they penalize him for that they don't necessarily penalize other people for. I mean, like you could remember how we talk about all NBA and we say, well, they're bronze going to at least be 13 because there's no way they're going to keep him off. Even though we know he missed enough games that other players probably should have had those spots, but just because he's LeBron he has to make all NBA team. So they'll justify giving him 13. Right. Steph isn't treated like that. Not for purposes of first team. They would probably treat him like that, like now, but it's still not like that way. Like LeBron for all those years, like we're not going to give him anything less. And I'm not suggesting that Bron is not deserving. He's not a great player, but there were definitely times and cases where you could argue, but it was almost like, this is a spot for LeBron, so now who gets the other two? That's sort of how the media treated it versus just taking a step back and looking at, like, three players because it's his legacy. Right, right. And, I mean, this is this is why it's so silly to even mention Steph in that way for Rich Paul to do that. Like, you know Steph is the last guy who's getting his just due. Um, it's been a whole career worth of snubs, miss like non-considerations and like by the way that they're a part of right because they're in the media's ears they got people on tv Mm -hmm. they're helping to push some of those narratives right um which this is another narrative play right so you push those narratives to get stuff undermined you know consistently and then when you have your own platform you make it seem like it's the opposite 
So it's like you just keep it going in your own way. Keep it going. Like I said, people can be like, oh, people are reaching. Y'all are reaching and stuff like that. No one mentioned Steph at all. And that's, that's, that's why it's like it's, it can't be a reach. He pulled, and they want to say we're nowhere. he pulled that shit out of nowhere. He pulled his name out of a hat. Like, why, why, why mention Steph in that situation? Why? Because this is a, no, this is a thing. Like, it's clearly a thing. And that's why, I mean, I guess we're, we're going to get into the Draymond stuff. That's why it becomes a little weird with the Draymond thing, because it's so obviously uh, a media play, a narrative play that's been pushed for all of these years. And knowing that, you know, Draymond is a teammate of Steph, that he's a part of the Clutch family, it, it just creates a weird dynamic there. I'm not saying that Draymond is out there, double agent, all that type of stuff, but it just creates a weird dynamic. Um, and if Draymond, no, but I mean, like, let's just call a spade a spade. If Draymond lets Maverick Carter get on something live, and downplay stuff, and he just laugh about it. If he lets volume sports write descriptions that sort of like blame his teammates <laughs> for things, right? For losses. Why would we believe that behind the scenes when Steph's name comes up, and you ain't gonna tell me Steph's name don't come up behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. That you're defending him. Why would I believe that? Exactly. Uh, I mean, like you said, call a spade a spade, dude. Yeah, that whole Maverick Carter thing was just so weird. Um, Maybe in that situation, initially, I tried to give Dre the benefit of doubt because, like, maybe he was just trying to let him get his point out, but he could have at least snuck up. Come on, Mav, you know you can't score on Steph. Like, come on, he could have snuck that in there. But people, I mean, he this got This man will jump to LeBron's defense. That's another thing. It's like over the silliest shit. And I don't ever see him. Andre Iguodala is the one out there preaching the gospel of Steph, not fucking Draymond Green. Not once. Not, maybe, not, the, not the dude who claims he would die for him. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like you just said, he's had plenty of opportunities. We've seen over the years all of these new narratives come out about Steph. And it's like the moment somebody says something about LeBron. Jeez. It's on that, it's on that Draymond Green podcast. It was it was a good, I don't know, it was a good streak of podcasts that he had. One of these when I was actually listening to it, where he would literally mention LeBron within the first minute of like each pod episode, like for like, I'm really like, is this a requirement? Like, when you join Clutch, is that part <laughs> of the requirements? Because this, it just seems impossible to me. It, it does. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I am, I just can't believe he doesn't see or understand what it looks like. Um, but he also doesn't seem to care, That's you know? Funny. And I see people saying the fans who dislike Dre are crazy stupid. I don't think so. I don't think so, personally. Like, I, nothing to me is going to come of it, like, in terms of him changing. But it's like, y'all, like, people want everyone to remember all that Draymond did. 
and then ignore all the bullshit. And it's like at the end of the day, it's Steph. Steph is the sun, the moon, the world to everything to Warriors fans. If people feel like you're sliding Steph, they're not going to fuck with you. And that's not just Steph stands. That's Warriors fans. Right. And on top of it, on top of it, like to me, it don't even have to be about sticking up for Steph, not sticking up for him. Like, bro. And here's the part. This is the only place where I'll give Draymond the benefit of the doubt. Right? Is like when he doesn't show up and play the way he needs to against like LeBron and the Lakers, right? Because I don't really think he's trying to sell because I I do believe Dre wants to win. But there is legitimacy. Tell me if I'm wrong, Justin. But there's legitimacy to when like not really liking your opponent. You know, um, when you play them. And like a lot of that is gone now from what used to exist before when the Warriors would go up against LeBron or go up against, you know, LeBron team or whatever, right? So sometimes I don't know what Dre needs to get that passion to like whatever he needs that gets him like riled up or whatever. But to me, it's sort of like non-existent and you got to manufacture it. And I think when someone's your boy, when they're your friend, sometimes that's a little harder to do. It's a little harder to manufacture that. Yeah, definitely. Um, even for the toughest competitors, you it would, I think most people would be lying if they said they don't go hard against somebody they dislike, harder against somebody they dislike than someone that they do like. Even if you're going and giving it which you think is 110% against your friend. If you're playing the next game against somebody who's your enemy, somebody that you don't, that you don't like, of course you're going to go harder. Right. You know what I mean? That's just human. I think that's just human nature right there. Um, as far as like how he looks, you know what I mean? I think it's also worth acknowledging that he is getting up there in age in basketball age, right? Like he's got miles on his body. He's not the most, durable guy out there he used to be more durable but now he's kind of getting a little nagging injuries stuff like that he played a ton of minutes this last year so he has to find ways to like you said manufacture that passion again because these are the last few years of him being able to play at a level good enough for him to anchor a defense that can beat a team that's led by LeBron and Anthony Davis like so he just got to find a way to, to work around that. Right. And I think it is possible. And I think it is, you know, something that he can work through being friends with those guys, but it's just not going to be like what it was 2015, 2016 one, because that passion ain't there in the same way. Right. I do think he still wants to win a championship, but it's, it's, it's different. Like you said, when you're going against somebody that you, you know, look up to and, and, and love as a friend and stuff like that. And he's just not as good as he was back then. Like, that just is what it is. So Yeah, but that man talks hella shit. He talks hella shit. And then you expect Steph to cash your bail. And I don't <laughs> like that. Stop fucking talking. Stop fucking talking. Because you know what? You ain't show up to help him this postseason. For anyone who is not aware, 
of what transpired on Twitter. So there's an account, Ricky G, his handle doesn't matter, but he tweeted, and I quote, Clutch sees Steph as the enemy. They should see him as a great to uplift LeBron. This is why I don't like Green playing both sides. It doesn't feel right. I get it's business. Bird and Magic was smarter than this. They joined each other to uplift their greatness. They never tore each other down. A little revisionist to me. They had like their little rivalry for a time and, you know, whatever. But then it grew into respect. It grew into respect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bird would say things like Magic's the best player in the league or, you know, whatever. But they definitely, you know, the Lakers hated the Celtics and the Celtics hated the Lakers. Um and honestly, even with Isaiah, the Isaiah was his actual friend. That was his best friend. And they stopped being friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that didn't just start with the Olympics and, and and you know, USA basketball. You know, Isaiah talks about this, but it was just like, it was all good when I was like clearly second to him and like the, oh, but now when I'm winning and we're this, now it's like, you know, and we know that happens, right? That's why I always say like, Oh, yeah, it's real easy, like, you know, with, like, the whole Shakari Shakari Richardson thing. I'm just, like, using an analogy because people are like, oh, she's grown up, and she's so this now, so that now. I said, well, it's easy to be nice to people when you win. Let's see how she shows up and what she says when she loses again. She wasn't quite as nice when she lost the 200, (laughs) you know? She wasn't, like, awful, but she wasn't as, "Ah, ah, ah." and, I like, losing doesn't feel good, so I'm not trying to say that, but, like, Steph, for example, is the same person whether in, in defeat or whether he wins. Like, obviously, you're happier, but he is the same, you know? And so, like, Magic, he showed his ass when it came to Isaiah, right? So, this was, like, real and, competition. And, and everybody in the league did this with Steph. All the guys, at first, it was especially with LeBron. LeBron went to see Steph at Davidson. Yeah. LeBron was at the All-Star game talking to Steph. Like, you gave my point guard three hezzies. Everybody remember mm-hmm. that clip. He's talking to Steph backstage or something. Back it was all good. Dapping him up. Good. It was all good. Hyping him up. Chris Paul was bringing him to the camps. Um, all that good stuff. I think Russ and KD went to see Steph at college in college, too. Mm-hmm. He started coming up, that climbing up that ladder, started making enemies. And that's just, like you said, it's just natural. That's how it goes. People start feeling a little threatened. So they, they're they naturally inclined, or some people are naturally inclined to try to break down your, your rise. And that's what happened with Steph. So that's how Clutch has kind of been manufacturing that, not necessarily a beef, but like I said, those, those narratives uh, when it comes to Steph. Right. And what did Draymond say in response? Yeah. So Ricky G says that. And Draymond Green, by the way, Ricky G didn't you know, at Draymond. And look, I know Ricky's a big account. I I get that. And like, you might see his stuff, but he didn't at Draymond, Mm -hmm. you know, Draymond felt the need to, to reply. And he says, imagine overvaluing your opinion so much that you get this caught up in two men lives. Starts using the word enemy 
in quotations, to describe two black heroes <laughs> and then proceed to falsely accuse another black man of playing both sides. Both sides of what to be exact, a pointless debate. Okay, listen, this is just not even gaslighting. It's just stupidity. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? Two black heroes. Listen, I love me some stuff, but like, come on, we need to dial it back. Hero, hero, hero of what? I mean, like, again, pulling stuff out of thin air. This is like a clutch specialty. Pulling stuff out of thin air. It happens. LeBron does it too. When he loses, he starts getting random injuries and stuff. So, but (laughs) (laughs) they love pulling stuff out of thin air. Let's make it about race. Let's make it about, you know, that like, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? We're talking about basketball narratives that are being pushed stuff that's being said to discredit your teammate that you never have any type of rebuttal for. That's what we mean by playing both sides. It's not playing both sides of a pointless debate because the debate is separate. We're talking about how, like we said, the clutch mouthpieces are moving a certain way you're just like completely blind to it right and then this is a guy that that's supposed to be your guy yeah willfully blind to it and that's supposed to be your teammate your guy but the dude that isn't your teammate you're like just consistently throwing that the cape on for it's just gonna rub people the wrong way like that's just a fact that's gonna rub people the wrong way man listen um he went on to say some other foolishness. It doesn't even matter because he was just right. talking. Like nothing Draymond said made sense. And it was like really no need to insert yourself in that convo or like even reply to Ricky. Um, look, the most fascinating thing to me, and look, people change. Um, things change. Excuse me. Fans could be fickle. But I tell you what, if Draymond is not great this season, <laughs> because I did not think because even Clay who wasn't great and yes there were like some fans of like turned on Clay and stuff but it still feels different with Dre the vitriol and the dislike it feels different to me maybe you know from what I observe and what I see you know um, and and you know sometimes I try to figure out like I always say if things are just Twitter or if it like exists outside of Twitter And like, again, it was all anecdotal and it wasn't like this large mass of people, but when 95.7, they were in the Bay in a room full of people in the Bay and they asked about trading Jamon and like the response, the whole room wasn't like, yes, but at least half the room was because they did like a, just like by applause, by sound. And them, apl- them applause and the chairs were like, yeah, get him out of here. Like, they're just sort of over him. They're tired of him. Yeah. We know he got booed on opening day, you know, after the, the Jordan Poole incident. I just never thought I would, like, see the day where someone like Draymond Green, who mm-hmm. is a part of this core, who is so beloved would become this polarizing with the fan base. It's um, fascinating to me. And I'm just wondering how the story is going to end. 
Yeah. I think it ultimately ends with him, you know, still still playing his career out in Golden State, but he's going to remain polarizing the whole time, I think. Um, but, yeah, it definitely came out of left field. I just – we all feel like from the jump he was just, the, like, the dog, the gritty guy, like, that was just going to bleed Golden State forever and just be like, F everybody else. You know what I mean? And he just kind of morphed into something a little bit different, right? Like, I think he's going to be pretty good this season coming up. Um, this might be maybe the last or second to last season where he's truly – if yeah. this is the last season, then I definitely don't see him finishing out his career. Like, because Steph is still trying to win. And you need Draymond to be a certain level for them to even have a chance of winning. Um, mm-hmm. I think one, I think either Clay or Dre is getting traded. I don't think that original core is going to be there till the end with Steph. I just, I don't get the sense that this front office and definitely Dunleavy I don't think they give a fuck about any of that. <laughs> I don't think that they care about, um, you know, oh, the good times and nostalgia and all of that. I really don't. And um, I don't, I don't either, but I also just don't think their value is that high on any trade market. But they don't need it to be because Clay's contract's up. And they could just, they have the money and the cap now to just sign someone outright if he doesn't give them a deal that he wants. And if they, if they win this year or something happens and they become like really attractive again, maybe they don't or, and, and, or they get them like, you know, Dre's deal is now a much more tradable contract, you know? So, um, um, and who Clay will ultimately sign if he does stay. So I just I just don't think because if if you're keeping the three of them at some point, I Clay has to be convinced. Someone has to like go to the bench. Like it just they have to change. It can't just be them three mm-hmm. as the core to ride out together. Even with like the Spurs, Kawhi Leonard emerged, <laughs> right? Sure. Like they're they're. And and I just don't, you know, how long is someone going to, like, stay behind them, be okay? Like, I just feel like at some point, I don't know if it's going to be someone who exists on the team already, if it's, like, Kaminga breaks out, or if it's, like, someone they go after. But I just, I don't see how the, the they can retire together, finishing out their careers. Plus, now you got Steph talking about he thinks he can play into his 40s. I believe Steph can play into his 40s. Like, there's just no way those th- those two make it that far along with him. I just not being like the main guys next to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just yeah, we are just based on like age and how how it all works. Somebody's going to the bench. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Like you said, somebody may be moved. I just think at the older they get, the harder it's going to be to move them. Um, so it would have to be like they lose this year, and then it's like we quick pivoting, like let's go get Giannis if he's available, that type of thing. But if they have a decent season, a good season, and something like that, I can just see them trying to shift it up like a different way, right? Maybe use CP3 contract and a bunch of first-round picks or something to, gra- to grab somebody and try to keep that core intact and just be like, yo, Dre, we're bringing in X, Y, Z. You're going to come off the bench, right? Or like, Clay, you're going to come off the bench. And we're going to ride this thing out for the next few years and try to get another chip this way, right? But I don't know. Anything can happen. Like, anything can happen. Like you said, no, Steph, not knowing being traded this step. That's the only thing I know. Right. I agree. He's the only one. But I don't I don't necessarily think Clay and Dre, that's it. Like, it just... Look, look, I already know front offices are cold, but when you just, like, the way that they handle Jordan, and I get that he doesn't have as much goodwill as the other three, but, like, the way they handled him, the way they lied about what they want to do, which I never understand because you don't have to do that. There's ways that you can answer questions and not say what you want to do without just, like, well, we want to keep him, da, da, da. and, like, <laughs> the next day you trade him, and then it's, like, and then Mike don't even continue going, like, oh, yeah, no, I didn't feel no way about it. Like, you don't have to say these things. But he does, like, I just think these are cold people. Like, they don't give a fuck. That's, that's what I really believe. Yeah, I believe that, too. I just think, I mean, We'll see how it plays out. I just think the circumstances behind it are just going to. And Dre had the relationship with Bob Myers, but Bob Myers is gone. And so that's like another thing where I think like Bob felt more of that, like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. we did this together. And da, da, da. Mike Dunleavy, <laughs> he don't got no attachment to none of them boys. For sure. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I'm just saying, because I think someone like a Bob saves Dre. Or appeal like oh you, I just don't know that the others feel that way without a Bob there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're safe as far as the front office goes. Um, I think the front office is a little bit more. Well, I can't say they're a little bit more, but I just think they're calculated in a way where they just assess what is the return to, what is the exchange like. What, are we getting back more value than we're giving out? Are we getting back equal value? And it's just going to be hard to do that when you shift out, when you ship out Draymond, especially, but potentially Clay. Um, but if a deal emerges, I don't think they would hesitate. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it has to be like a trade that works that they think that they can win. Um, but like, like, and even if they somehow win this year, I think how they win is going to matter. Like, you know, you always point this out, like, okay, they won, and then they went, like, hard with the young guys, but they didn't win by winning with the young guys, right? Like, they still relied on their core. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somehow, like, you get more contributions, or it's, like, one of these things sort of where, like, 
Steph has to do a carry job again or something like that, and they pull it out. I think that also makes like Steph even himself like rethink, you know, like, nah, y'all, it's time. Y'all gotta like get me, you know, mm-hmm. some people because like that's gonna wear on him, you know. Um, so we just gotta see. I'm expecting Clay to have a good season. I don't know what to expect from Dre. You have like much more faith in him than me. Um <laughs> it's not that I think Dre is bad now. I just, I don't see it from him on a night tonight. Like he's just a volatile person to me. (laughs) Like his personality, when he decides he wants to show up. Um, So I just don't know like what kind of person you're getting from him all season. And he's no longer in a contract year. So he's like a little safe um, on some level. So um but Clay, he's been working out all summer, contract mm-hmm. year. You know, I expect Clay to be have like a pretty good season. Um, I think Dre will be all right. Yeah, you know, like you said, I have a, I have a, I have a pretty good faith in him. I think he just he's going to stay good at the things he's good at. Defense, that's his thing, right? Yeah, but like we need you to also be like not a fucking person out there who like causes more issues for Steph on offense and for he sure. does that a lot more now than he used to do in the past yeah yeah because he was he was a little more athletic in the past so he can attack off that pick and roll a little bit better he had a little bit more better finishing around the rim he could shoot better stuff like that so it would be amazing if he could somehow develop that touch again maybe hit one out of three threes I know we've been asked about that every single year for like the last five years but this is saying I don't have this face we'll see, we'll see. I mean it, it it really becomes an issue against like very specific matchups. I think against like ninety percent of the league, it's okay. But um, we'll have to see. I think they got a much more balanced team, and they have better players that can fill in the gap to make some of their weaknesses, particularly Dre and Clay, their weaknesses like a little bit diminished. So at least on paper. So we'll just have to actually see how they look when they get on the court. What are you expecting from my guy Wiggs? Um, one expecting them to play. That in itself is going to be huge, right? Because he's just he's the guy that doesn't get tired, you know, doesn't miss a ton of games. So just him being out there is going to help a lot. And he's in that sweet spot in his career where he can actually still kind of get better. Like he's he's kind of at his peak, but he can still add a little bit more to his game, whether it be just a more consistent jump shot in the playoffs is one thing. Um, more aggressiveness as a scorer stuff like that, if he can kind of step into a role where he's a reliable 20-plus-a-game score every night, that would be great on top of the, on top of him being one of the best wing defenders in the league. Um, because, I mean, it will, it will lessen Clay's load a little bit. Steph is going to be Steph regardless, but if Steph has two 20-a-game guys next to him, that's pretty hard to stop for any team. So I expect him to play hard, play the full season, kind of – come back a little hungrier after last season and you know with the playoffs and how it ended with him getting injured and how he just didn't have a ton of playing time in a regular season with his uh different situations so it's like a really good season for, uh, for andrew yeah i mean i didn't listen to andre's podcast the one he has with evan turner but i know andrew wiggins was just on it but i've seen a lot of clips from it um i think that's cool. is it mm-hmm. he was on there he was on there a while ago I think they just re- the clips resurfaced. 
Oh. I think it was after they won. I think it was after they won a championship. Yeah, the first. Okay. Well, we'll see. We will see. Um. All right. Let's move on. Um. From this stuff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 